Hey there, and welcome to the United Church Podcast. We are a new church here in Seattle committed to an ethic of love. We are striving to be a people united, united with Jesus, each other, ourselves, and the world around us. We hope you enjoyed this week's homily. It's even actually beautiful to listen to the babies cry. I know the parents are like, no, it's not. But babies are so welcome. We have so many new babies as a part of our community, which is a really beautiful thing. Uh, This new life that is being brought into our midst. These things that we get to celebrate as a church together as as seven babies, I think now. Seven babies that are now a part of our community along with our, our children, which are with Mr. Kent William this morning. And so it's, it's just such a beautiful, beautiful thing, this new life that has been birthed within our midst. We're continuing in our Lenten series, Awake My Soul, where we've been looking at different passages throughout the course of this season. And this morning, we're situating ourselves in Isaiah 43. This is the, the Old Testament passage for the for the day, for the, for the Sunday. And so I know we already read it, but I'm going to read it again. And I want you to sit with it because this passage is one of those passages that I think is not only one of the more beautiful passages of poetry within Isaiah, but I think it's something that calls forth to us, that, that, that calls us to do and be different as a people. So I want to read this to us again. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. This is what the Lord says. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me and jackals and the owls because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself that they may proclaim my praise." What do you hear God saying to you in this passage? What what is that one word or phrase that sticks out to you? That, That word that calls something different in your life, that says, this is what you need to hear. As I sat with this passage throughout the week, as I as I listened. To it, as I breathed it in, as I allowed it to exhale out, as I sat with these words and wondered, what is it that God wants me to hear? But also, what is it that God wants us as a community to hear, a church to hear about what it is that He desires for us? It was this verse, verse 18 Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. It's such a fascinating 
such a fascinating verse, such a fascinating turn of phrase, because so often we're taught in our culture and in our, as, as a people to remember, to remember well the things of the past, to not let go of them, because those who forget the past are bound to repeat them, right? Like if we don't listen well to our past, if we don't hold on to them and, and, and really learn from what it is that our past was, we will Repeat it over and over and over again. Whether it's individual problems or societal problems, we'll repeat it over and over and over again. And here, these are the words of the Lord. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. As I sat with that phrase, as I began to, to look a little bit more into what these words forget mean, like, like what, what does it mean to actually forget? Like it's this idea of failing to remember for the benefit or harm of others. You fail to remember whatever will benefit someone or actually harm someone. Even yourself, you just fail to remember. It's like you dump that scenario and that situation out of your head. Like it's just gone. It just falls away. You fail to remember. You don't find yourself living in the past. I, I like how Eugene Peterson says it in the message. This is kind of his turn of phrase. He says, forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Such, a, such an interesting way of understanding it. Don't keep going over old history. Don't dwell on the things of the past. Don't sit in it. Don't sit in it. I think oftentimes we can find ourselves remembering something over and over and over to our own detriment. That we can sit in a story, our own story, to our own detriment. Something that's been harmful to us or something that's been hurtful to us, we can sit in it and it causes us pain over and over and over again. We relive our own traumas. Paul Connerton is a social scientist, and, and he wrote in his book, How Societies Remember, he said, past factors tend to influence or distort our experience of the present. He, he talks about how, as a people, we, we hold our stories in ourselves so deeply that we actually carry within ourselves, like within our bones, deep within our souls, our stories of past trauma, of past pain, of past hurt, but also of past celebrations and of past victories and of past goodness, that we hold all of these things like deep within our bones, these good and beautiful stories and these really painful and awful stories that we hold them deep within our bones and that they actually begin to shape us as a people. They, they don't only shape us in the present or in the past, but they shape us presently with how we look at the world around us. That everything that has ever happened to us, whether good or bad, will distort our present for good or for bad. These are the stories that we carry deep within us. Our stories are written on our souls. I used to make a walk twice a week. Twice a week, I would 
step out of the front door of my apartment and turn left. I would walk down the hill two blocks and make another left and walk down the hill two blocks. I walked to the front door, opened it, and then sat down and saw this every single day. Every single time I walked into the building, I would press the little red button up on the left-hand side and the little green light would appear. And I would just sit there and I would wait. The first time that I made my way into this building and sat there to press that button and wait, I was absolutely mortified. I was, I was terrified as to what it was that I was going to experience on the other side of the door once Dr. B opened the door and said, Aaron, come in. I would walk through, and the first time I, I sat down with Dr. B, his, his question to me was, what do you want to talk about today? And the first time I sat with Dr. B, I said, I don't know. I don't even know what I'm supposed to do here. Dr. B was my therapist after a, an extremely difficult period in my life. Perhaps one of the most traumatic experiences that I had ever experienced. Lots of pain and betrayal and frustration and, and heartache that I didn't really know what to do. But as I sat with Dr. B, he said, well, why don't you just tell me about it? I began to unload, so to speak. But my intentions in unloading weren't so much to get better. I wanted to sit in that pain. I wanted to dwell on that trauma. I didn't want to get better. I wanted him to actually not only let me sit in my guilt and my shame for what I felt were the wrongs that I had done, but I wanted him to actually beat me up too. I, I wanted him to look at me and be like, yeah, you're the worst human being I've ever seen sit in this room. You're a terrible, awful, no good individual. Dr. B sat there with me as I unloaded over and over and over. I just wanted to dwell on what it is of all this pain. And I was absolutely paralyzed with this guilt. I was paralyzed and didn't want to move forward. But Dr. B looked at me and he said, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you stop repeating this same story over and over again. I'm going to help you get out of this cycle, out of this space and out of this place. And over the course of the next two months, I sat with Dr. B in this place. In one of the seasons, I, I, I was looking at different like poets as, as a way of kind of helping me sit in what I was experiencing. And I, I ran across uh, the poet Aeschylus, which is really fascinating because I, I found it in Bobby Kennedy's speech that he gave on April 4th, 1968, which is the day that we remember and commemorate as the assassination of Dr. King. And Bobby Kennedy gave, like, like repeated this poem from memory. And while I have not committed it to memory because I'm not good at remembering those sorts of things, this, this 
poem from Aeschylus spoke deep into my soul. He who learns must suffer. Even in our sleep, pain that cannot forget falls drop by drop upon the heart until in our own despair, against our will, comes wisdom through the awful grace of God. It took me a while to understand what Aeschylus meant by the awful grace of God. As, as I sat with Dr. B in his office over and over and over and over again, two months had passed of two times a week sitting with him over and over again. I experienced Aeschylus' understanding of the awful grace of God. It was my last time making that walk down the hill. It was my last time walking in and sitting here that I snapped this picture. This picture is a really normal-looking picture. It's actually kind of strange, right? You're just like, okay. But for me, this picture holds so much of my story. It holds so much beauty for me because as I walked in the last time, sat there and pressed the button, I knew that it was the last time. And as I walked into Dr. B's office and he asked me again, what do you want to talk about today? I said, I don't know. I don't know what I need to talk about. He goes, do you know why? I said, no, I have no clue. And he said two words to me that changed me. He said, you're okay. You're okay. Not you will be okay or you're going to be okay. You're okay. As I sat there in front of Dr. B, this man whom I expected was going to tear me apart, that I had actually hoped would tear me apart in the midst of my pain and in the midst of my grief, in the midst of this trauma. As I sat there, he looked at me and I experienced through him the awful grace of God. You're okay. You're okay. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Two months of work. To not forget completely, but to no longer dwell on the past. To no longer dwell on what I thought was the end of my story. See, I am now doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? It springs up in the midst of this. You're okay. There's this new story that is beginning to emerge, this new story that is bursting forth. And as I read this and as I think about it, now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I feel like God is playing a little bit of a joke on me. Like, like he's trying to play into my FOMO right? My fear of missing out. It springs up. Don't you see it? Jump in on this. It's so good. And I'm like, what? Like my FOMO, it speaks to the FOMO in me. I'm doing this new thing. 
It springs up. It's all around you. And it's coming. Do you see it? In the message, Eugene Peterson puts it this way. Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Be present. I am about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? Don't you see it? I didn't see it. I couldn't see it as I continued to dwell upon the past. I had to have somebody quite literally help me to separate out of that cycle, to pull myself out of that cycle, not to distance myself, to never see the past traumas and pain again, but to see that not only was I okay, but there was a new future that was awaiting, a new story that was waiting to be birthed, a new opportunity and a new way of seeing the world in the present. Be present. Be present. Be alert. Look around you because God is about to do something. You see, I think that God has a story for us, that God has a story for you and for me that he is calling forth to us all the time to just be alert and be present to what it is that he would have us jump into and join and be a part of. God has a new story he wants to write on our hearts, a new story that he wants to write on our souls. We carry around with us those stories of our past. They will never go away. And that's a good thing because they have helped to shape us into the people that we are now. But God doesn't want to let those stories go unredeemed. He doesn't want to let those stories be the thing that we sit in and never, 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 ever, ever walk out of into this new reality, into this new future that he has before us. God has a new story that he wants to write on our hearts and on our souls. My daughter Elliot is a really big fan of Lauren Daigle, especially her newest album. And over and over and over, I feel like I'm subjected to this album, which is okay because I think it's actually really good. I like it, but you can only handle so much, right? (laughs) Children like to listen to things like 50 times in a row, right? There's this one song that she really likes. It's called I Remember. And like the very first verse is in the darkest hour when I cannot breathe. Fear is on my chest, the weight of the world on me. Everything is crashing down. Everything I had known when I wonder if I'm all alone. In the chorus, I remember, I remember. You have always been faithful to me. Even when my own eyes could not see, you were there always there in the midst of our stories, in the midst of whatever pain or trauma or experiences that we have, God is actually present there in that place and in that space calling forth to us, saying, don't dwell on that. Find that person that's going to help you pull you out of that cycle 
that's going to pull you out of dwelling over and over upon that story because let me tell you, I have a new story for you, a new way of walking into this world, a new way of stepping forward and being and living. The trauma that I experienced was in the wake of a church closure. We had planted a church in San Francisco, and it was beautiful. It was doing all sorts of wonderful and amazing things. But in the midst of it, I found myself completely burnt out. I was, I was killing myself over and over and over again to make that thing go and to make it work and to make it be this beautiful expression of the gospel in the city, this beautiful expression of Jesus. We'd actually become a kind of a locally famous church and was being a little bit more well-known in the community for the work that we were doing and how we were taking care of others, how we were talking about Jesus and how we were, how we were living out this life. And I still don't know. I still don't know, but it all came crashing down. It all came crashing down, and I still don't understand why, but Dr. B was the man who helped me in the midst of that season. As I sat in that office with him, he was the one that helped me move forward out of that cycle to help me stop dwelling on the past, to forget the former things. Dr. B is the reason why this church exists. I, I, I really, truly believe that. Without this man whom I picked at random out of an insurance list because he was four blocks from my apartment and had the credentials that I thought he should have, and didn't look like he was a Christian, because I thought he might beat me up better if he weren't a Christian, showed me some of the most beautiful grace and love and compassion. A man who was used by God to pull me out of that cycle, and here today, seven years later, I stand before you with a new story, with a new way of understanding the world that is in front of us and in front of me. Helen Keller has this book of quotations called To Love This Life. And one of the quotations is, when one door of happiness closes, another opens. But often we look so long at the closed door that we do not see the one which has been opened for us. When we sit in that cycle when we sit in that cycle of our story and we don't allow ourselves to come out of it, no matter the pain, no matter the despair, no matter the trauma, when we sit in that, we miss the story that God is opening up for us. We miss the new way in which he's asking us to step forward into something new. We miss it. We don't see it. And so this morning, this afternoon, this day, what are you remembering? What is the story that you're remembering over and over again? The story that you're carrying not only heavy on your heart, but maybe deep within your bones and your soul. What is the story that you're remembering that is preventing you from stepping forward into the new story, into the new life of love and grace that God has for you? What are you remembering? This morning, I want us to sit 
with this passage. I want us to sit in this space, and we're going to continue in this discernment practice. What I want to do right now in this space is to just discern right here, what are you remembering? What is it that God is calling forth to you to be, to do? What is God asking of you this morning? So take just a few moments, get yourself comfortable, sit in that space and ask yourself, what are you remembering? What does God want you to do? feeling or thinking in this moment. Where do you feel it in your body? How is God prompting you to move forward?
We believe in your story. As a church, as a people, we believe in your story, that, that your story that has formed you and has shaped you, that it's not the end. That whatever it is that has been does not always have to be. That God wants to redeem you and your story and to help push you forward into a new way of being in this world. That's why every week we gather around this table that we call communion. It's a beautiful story that changes who we are as people. A beautiful story where we remember Jesus' body and his blood, which was broken and shed for us, that our stories don't have to end where they end. But instead of having a period, it becomes an ellipsis. There's more to come. There's more that is to be written. There's more that is to be said. Our stories don't end, but they continue on further and further and further, allowing us, allowing us to live a new life. Communion, this table, this bread and this juice are open to anyone who says, yes, I'm pursuing this Jesus. I'm on a journey, I'm on a process, I'm trying to process who this Jesus is. And I want to take part in this remembrance and a, a part of this story. And so what we ask is that you, when you come forward, you just stand wherever you are and you come forward and you grab a chunk of the bread, which represents Christ's body, which was broken for us. You take that chunk and you dip it in the juice, which represents his blood, which was shed for us. And take that back to your seat and just hold it. Sit with it. Perhaps you say a prayer. Perhaps you ask God in that moment to enter into your story in a different way. Help me, God, to remember differently my story. Help me, God, to pull out of this cycle and, and remember this story of your son that came that I may have life, that my story doesn't end. And then in a few moments together, as a community, as a people, we will partake of this remembrance together. So when you're ready, please come. Thank you for listening to this week's homily. If you're in Seattle, we'd love for you to join us on Sundays at noon at 1316 Third Avenue West in Queen Anne. If you'd like to support our efforts, please visit unitedchurch.gives to partner with us financially. Be in peace and God bless.